0: This is the Florida Spectacular Podcast with your hosts, Kathy Celustri and Rick Kilby. Keep up with Kathy at GreatFloridaRoadTrip.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Kathy Silustri. Find Rick on Twitter at OldFLA and visit his website RickKilby.com. Now, discover a Florida you never knew existed.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's edition episode of Florida Spectacular. Uh, Good morning, Rick.
0: Good morning. How are you? I'm recovering from a very festive couple of days off and enjoying this cool weather we have today.
1: Wow. So, yeah, I am not enjoying this cool weather. Uh, I am. I am. We are in one of these wonderful cold snaps we get in Florida where... Uh, I start
0: thinking I have to move somewhere warmer. And <laughs> Yeah, I went on my walk this morning and I usually try to uh, think about things that I'm grateful for to kind of just start my process. And one of them was, I'm glad I don't live someplace where cold weather is the norm. You know, this is an aberration for us. <laughs> And it was kind of hit me in the face, and it it really isn't that cold, but I was freezing. It's like in the 40s here.
1: It is is not cold if you are used to cold. It is disgustingly cold if you are not a person who is used to cold. I mean, I have friends... Elsewhere in the country, I do have non-Florida friends, <laughs> and uh, I know they're colder. I, I when I woke up this morning, I checked my Apple Weather app to see how you were doing, Rick, and see how yeah. producer Chad was doing all the way up in Fernandina. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's I they're my friends, but this is not the time of year I go visit them. No, because uh, I'm just not built for it. I I joke that I'm part reptile; that my core temperature is whatever the ambient temperature. is so uh i pretty much I, I dug out my my grinch sweater my holiday grinch sweater and uh, i had to be somewhere at 8 a.m this morning and just from two steps to the car i was like oh no 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 no. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but i'm a wimp and i know that i am i am i am a wimp but all i kept thinking is man last week i was in the keys i was snorkeling i was on a fishing fishing charter and now i've got the heat on so
0: do you have the heat on or are you that we had the heat on overnight. Yeah, last week we had Thanksgiving outdoors. The weather was perfect. And then I went on an air, my first airboat ride on Sunday on the St. John's River, and I wore a jacket only because there was a threat of rain. And there was one point where we did get rained on a little bit, but the weather was perfect aside from the, the you know the clouds. The clouds just added a different texture. And what I love about Florida sometimes is... You know, we're, we're used to sunny skies and sometimes the, you know, the right kind of clouds when their suns come through it adds kind of an additional layer.
1: <laughs> the so right kind of clouds.
0: Yeah. The right kind of clouds, you know, so that they're not just, it's not like fog, you know, where everything's just white, but there's kind of a depth to it and a three dimensionality that looks really good in photographs. Yes. And that's what I had on Sunday and it was, ah, oh, so much fun. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about air boating though. Um, it's, tell me, it,
1: yeah, tell me about the airboat ride on the St. Johns. I don't think a lot of people realize that you don't have to be in the Everglades to get an airboat ride in Florida. So That
0: is very true. Very yeah, very true. Uh there's a guy, I can't remember his name, my friend set it up. He operates out of uh basically it's it's Colonial Driver 50 the St. John's River. And that's kind of the middle basin of the St. John's where it's not, you know, a mile wide. It's very thin. In fact, the channel in some places is only six feet, 60 feet across. Um, it, We had rain a few, of uh, like two weeks ago. So it was a little bit flooded, which meant the airboat could basically go anywhere. And there were times where, you know, there was a little trickle of water. I'm like, I can't believe he's going on there. And he just, you know, he can go anywhere in the airboat. And it was so much fun. It's like... A go-kart kind of, you know, you're going up and down and going around crazy little curves at a million miles an hour, and that's exhilarating. But what I don't like is there is a lot of wonderful wading birds, spoonbills, wood storks, you know, the stuff that I love, glossy ibis. And it seemed like the airboat captain intentionally headed for every bird he saw. <laughs> Just- I mean it's it's if
1: you want to see that kind of wildlife, you really need to be in like a, a human powered, you know, paddle powered uh kayak stand-up paddle board. I I get you. I I kind of feel the same way. Um, yeah. you know, airboats, it, it's there's no brakes, there's no reverse. Um, but it's fun. It is beyond, fun. But beyond it being fun, I didn't think about this. Um several years ago, uh, Visit Florida, the state tourism arm, paid me to go paddleboard out to some stilt houses in off the shore of Pasco County. And uh, there's Derny Key, was a little easy paddle out to Derney Key, right? So I went out there with this paddle boat outfitter, paddleboard outfitter. That was beautiful, and I saw airboats, and I kind of made the the comment of oh, they ruin everything. And the guide <laughs> said, "Yeah, they're allowed." He says, "But when we need to do beach cleanups, a lot of times they're the only boats that can get out there." And then also, if you watch areas that are flooded after after a really bad hurricane, those airboats are invaluable because they don't yeah. need they don't need much. So. I am of two minds as well. I definitely see the, uh, the bonus to it, but I also, I hate that, you know, you're not going to have a great wildlife tour. Let's put it that way. You're not going to have a wonderful wildlife experience.
0: You're going to see wildlife, but it's going to flee from you, you know? You're going to see a lot
1: of wildlife in flight. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. We saw a couple bald eagles and, you know, there was one perch and he, he went right up to it and it flew away and it flew away so fast. I couldn't get a great photograph. The spoonbills were, were kind of off in the distance. So they didn't fly away. We went up this one Creek and it was wonderful. And, you know, there were cypress trees on either side and it was kind of flooded. And he went right up to the base of a cypress tree and there was this enormous spider there and it looked like a tarantula it was so big and he showed us on a phone a photograph of the same kind of spider eating a frog (laughs) that's how big
1: god what was it
0: i don't know i've never seen spiders that big in my life my wife was petrified because she hates spiders but we were able to get close to that kind of stuff and when we were in this little creek i thought i'm going to come here with my kayak and you know go up this creek but the gators there are enormous and they're prolific. And he, this, the captain kind of exaggerated it a bit, I think, but he kept referring to this, the large number of gators in the Stretcher river we just crossed and how many they were. And that makes me a little bit nervous to go there on a kayak because you're sitting right on the water, basically. But I know I've been in a lot of places where there's been a lot of gators and that hasn't stopped me before, but he talks about how they cannibalize things and we, and how, He also owns cattle and how one of his, he loses 10% of his cattle um, to alligators because they graze in that, that area, you know, and they were everywhere we went, they were in the water and we actually saw a calf with three legs because he had lost one of his legs to an alligator. So there was a lot of death in his stories. (laughs) So much like the first Thanksgiving. Yes, (laughs) but it, it, it it was, you know, I would do it again. But I also longed for my kayak. So that's how I feel.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's good to, I tend to be very insular with my Florida experiences, like Mm -hmm. down in the Keys. And I didn't want to go on a big party boat to go fishing. I wanted to go on a small, like what they would call a six pack boat or smaller. I didn't want to, I don't like to do the big things. I have friends who ask me if I want to go jet skiing. And the answer is almost always, it's always been no. I've never been on one. And the airboat ride, when I did it, was definitely outside what I would have deemed as, and I can be kind of a bitch, an acceptable way to do Florida. I don't know how else to say that. Um, but, you know, if I get outside my comfort zone, yeah, I would go on an airboat ride again. I yeah. I can see the benefit. If I was going to run drugs in the Everglades, I would definitely have an airboat. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's definitely... Um, a different experience. And I think it's good to have those different experiences. And I think anything that gets more people in any kind of positive contact with nature and Florida and wilderness is a good thing. And yeah. a lot of people don't feel up to kayaking.
0: What was neat was in that area of the St. Johns there's still a lot of shell mounds and he said they were all kind of a day's walk apart. I you know I don't know I don't know that I trust this guy's history but that made sense to me. And so there was one that was basically an island and we landed on it and there was there were shards of pottery right there on the ground. You're not allowed to pick them up anymore. Uh it was called Papa Mound and you know there's something about seeing stuff that's thousands of years old. That connects you to the Florida's past in a way that's kind of exciting because you know that people have been coming to this place for eons, and that, you know, despite what we've done to Florida the last 500 years, you know, there's a continuous thread of human history here. And I love that feeling of connection, and it was exciting. (laughs) The 12 year old Rick Kilby wanted to pick up the pottery and put it in my pocket and then start collecting it again, like I did when I was younger, and it was legal. Um, so I just photographed it. but that that was definitely a thrill. and i you could see where there were mounds because they're like little islands when when it's flooded like that. and that was that was something that I would' have known about if I had just struck out on my own.
1: well, what I think is fascinating about that is how predictable we are as humans, that this place that thousands of years ago humans thought was worthy is a place that right now, twenty twenty three Rick Kilby is saying, This is a place I want to go back to. This is really yeah. cool. I mean, that's really it, we change a lot. Society changes a lot, culture changes a lot, but there are things that remain true. And I really do think, without sounding too prosaic, although I think I will, I mean it just really speaks to how Florida is one of those things. The natural beauty of Florida does endure for thousands of years. You know, and it's just
0: wonderful. So
1: Yeah, oh, it nice is Thanksgiving.
0: It really was. And it's interesting too, because, you know, the St. John's is a, you know, I've been on the St. John's a couple of times in the last month and it's, you know, as a water body, it's very special to me, but, you know, it has been manipulated by man because when the British came, they built plantations up and down the river and, you know, would have cut all that old growth timber. So you're really not seeing the way it was, you know, 600 years ago or a thousand years ago, you're seeing kind of regrowth. But it's still beautiful. You know, occasionally you'll come across, you know, a, this epic cypress tree that somehow survived getting logged out, like maybe it had been struck by lightning or was rotten or something. And that, you know, We're you covered
1: just, in spiders,
0: <laughs> covered in spiders. And it's still there, but it's still beautiful and spectacular and worth preserving. And I just hope <laughs> Floridians have enough sense to vote for people that will continue to preserve it.
1: I could not agree with you more. I really, um, I'm, I'm a big believer in if everybody knew what I knew and what you know about Florida, it would be so much easier to elect people who really were going to protect that part of Florida. Um, there was a – I get a lot of press releases. Um, there was a press release, and I think the Florida Springs Council picked it up. Uh, Governor DeSantis protects X amount of something. And the Florida Springs Council uh, forwarded it to a bunch of people and said, except most of that is already mandated by law. It wasn't like he just did it to be magnanimous. I mean, and so thankfully we have these these laws in place that, you know, people are following to to preserve and protect these parts of Florida. But a lot of it's unfamiliarity. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways people get familiar with Florida kayaking airboat rides, but you know, another one, and this is who we're going to talk about today, uh, who might've gotten people's attention who would not otherwise have cared, uh, was Tim Dorsey.
0: Yeah. I was, as you were saying that I was thinking about, um, Serge Storms and his buddy Coleman, you know, getting revenge on people who kind of defiled our state. And, you know, some of those riders like, Carl Heisen and um, uh, what's the guy with uh, Travis McGee, John um, D. McDonald. John D. McDonald. You know, there. The, the, you read one book and you've kind of read them all, and and I think Tim Dorsey fits into that mold. But what I loved about Tim Dorsey's books is that he would throw in tidbits of history that you know were really good things you might not know about history, and kind of you know entwine them into this surge storms adventure and that was always always fun to read
1: i am i met tim dorsey i think only once or twice um and i agree with you you read one book i mean you kind of you kind of know where it's going but he was creative i mean he was good and i met him once um the first book i read of his was atomic lobster And the reason I read it is I reviewed it for the uh, paper I was writing for at the time, because it was set, one scene was set in Gulfport, where I live, and he had surge storms, having sex in a car on Gulfport Beach by the casino, I think at sunrise. And so (laughs) at the time, Gulfport was not as popular as it is now with tourists, and it was a big deal that Gulfport was in a book, and we have to do this. And um I have to say some of his last books are my favorites though, because he, I didn't realize he had moved to the Keys. He, he was a Tampa Tribune journalist and then the books really took off. I mean, anybody who can pump out a book a year like he did. I mean, that was incredible. And, um, when he moved to the Keys, he started incorporating more Keys history and some interesting tidbits about that. And you, you know, There are places I have not been to in Florida, believe it or not, that he would write about. And then places I've been to. And when he would write about the places that I had been to, I knew he had been there. Like, you got a very clear sense of place. And I guess he died yesterday, November 28th, for those of you listening in the future. Um, And uh, my first thought, one of my friends, one of my Florida friends, John Kyle, who used to be on the podcast texted me and he said tim dorsey died and my first thought was well what's Serge gonna do now like i felt really bad for the characters and i I mean please 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 my condolences to his family and those people who actually knew him but these characters are just wandering around now bumping into each other without somebody to tell them what to do because they had become so real and and people who read tim dorsey all seem to have their favorite way surge storms killed somebody (laughs) who who was doing bad things to florida like my friend john said he goes well it was the one when he he handcuffed the guy to both sides of the treasure island bridge and the bridge went up and (laughs) mine was when he put explosives he bought all the little tchotchkes the tourist tchotchkes and used explosives to bind them to the guy and it made him like a florida christmas tree of uh c4 and florida memorabilia not not real memorabilia like um rubber alligators and things like everybody's got their favorite way these were very compelling <laughs> characters there and- is
0: there is one where i think a guy pulled up and he had his stereo too loud so basically they run a hotel room and turned it into like a giant speaker and put the guy in there and then he got plugged it into yes. electric guitar. <laughs> that was wonderful. Um <laughs>
1: So, I mean, the Surge Storms, if you're, if you're listening to this and you don't know who Surge Storms is, he was the hero um, of Tim Dorsey's books and he was. um,
0: A serial killer. Well, (laughs) he was. But he
1: was a, he was a serial killer you rooted for, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because he was getting, he was getting revenge for Florida. He was like. um, Skink. uh, Skink. Yeah. And um what's his name carl heisen books
1: yeah skink uh clinton tyree he was without the nobility i'll tell you if you want to really impress a florida person this christmas you buy all 21 of tim dorsey's books for surge storms give them the box set for christmas if you can find them um i have not read his most recent one maltese iguana and um I will. Now we're gonna put a I guess actually I'm sorry, 26 books. I thought there were only 21. There's 26 surge storm books.
0: And that's that's impressive on top of a career in journalism. You know, this was kind of his second life.
1: Yeah, and- I mean it, Florida is a great inspiration for these sort of books, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: but um mermaid confidential was great he has other books um tropical warning i've never read that's a 2013 book and i guess that's a collection of stories um but these are great 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 holiday gifts if you have a florida fan who has not read tim dorsey
0: i remember i saw him speak at the library here and he he's the first author who i went to see who was like his own kind of traveling merch uh vendor like he had these tupperware containers full of t-shirts and he just he really kind of embraced the following that he had and was taking full advantage of it to sell you know surge storms t-shirts and i thought it was kind of cool and you know he had a huge following huge following
1: um it's 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 like a cult right like so we're the the cult of florida i was <laughs> and that's okay you know i like my term florida splaining that's going to be in the lexicon merriam webster is going to add that one year that's my goal florida splain um i heard uh the other day a podcast uh wait five minutes one about florida and he had a guest on and she talked about how her decor style was florida core instead of like cottage core or something like that. Like she decorated an all Florida. Florida Interesting. stuff. Yes. So I think, yeah, we're 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 leaving uh the idea of being a cult and we're getting a little bit more mainstream. And I don't know if that makes us less appealing to me or not. I don't know what I'll write about next if Florida becomes the cool kid. Um so.
0: well it's changing. It's not changing always for the better. And I mean, I, I think Florida's always going to be interesting just because um, we don't always attract, you know, stand up citizens. And the question is, uh, in some cases, it's how long you can stick it out, you know, and, and how or I guess maybe how you adapt to the changes in Florida.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's hard, right? Um, I I have a talk I give and it's actually a chapter in the forthcoming book, Florida Spectacular, about the three Marjories, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, Marjorie Kenan Rollins, and Marjorie Harris Carr. And I make the point that these, these people, these women, not, you know, they were all different ages, but the older they were, they were still able to adapt and how unique that is. Because, I mean, I've lived in Florida since I was seven. This is the only home I know. I do not consider myself as being from New York. I tell people I was born there. Um, this is home. But my um you know my my friends who are later arrivals they don't see this as home necessarily you know it's almost like a foreign land so i talk about how incredible it was that uh like marjorie stoneman douglas how old she was and Ken and raleigh's they were in i think their 30s when they came here 20s or 30s and they were able to adapt so it's a matter of how long you can stick it out or how willing you are to adapt like you can't You are not going to be happy in Florida if you move here from New York and spend your life bitching about our bagels. We do not have good bagels. I don't care. I really don't care. I, I honest to God don't care because let New York have the bagels because we've got Cuban sandwiches. Right? Like that. Um, it's a matter of how you adapt. When my parents moved here, my they were both in their 30s. And they were ready for Florida. They, I have never once in the whole of my life heard them say, well, this isn't how it is in New York, unless it was a pejorative about New York. Like they were ready for Florida. They loved the lifestyle, they were willing to make the trade offs. And consequently, they've survived here. Well, I mean, my mom is the only one still alive, but they were very happy here. They survived for a long time. Whereas, I had other people move here. I'm like, you know, you need to go <laughs> you're never going to be happy. You are never, I have a neighbor right now. And he just is always complaining. And I want to tell him, <laughs> I mean, it's my neighbor. So I'm not going to, I don't think he listens to the podcast. I'm like, man, you need to go home. You,
0: you,
1: <laughs> you are not helping anybody in this state by being,
0: <laughs> you got to bloom where you're planted.
1: Yes. Or, you know, transplant your flower and get the hell out. I mean, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so, yes, going back to Serge, Serge adapted to Florida. I don't remember, yeah. don't know if Serge was a transplant or if he was born here, but he embraced Florida. He embraced Florida history. I mean, let that be a lesson to you. He could have been a serial killer anywhere and he chose us.
0: And, you know, I was thinking about, uh, I went to m- <laughs> brave Mount Dora on Friday, on Black Friday and I don't know somebody was telling me Mount Dora is just absurdly crowded all the time because it's you know it's basically retail. The whole little downtown is nothing but retail and restaurants and a couple of small museums. And there was a bookstore, and I remember going into the bookstore. It's I think it's called Barrel of Books, and i had never been in before. And uh, you know the first thing I do when I go to bookstores I look for the Florida section, and it was just all Tim Dorsey. You know, just the, there was a whole shelf of Tim Dorsey. You know, the other thing is. The graphic design on his books are very good, you know, wonderful, simple covers, great color. You know, you're gonna spot them. And so when you when you line them up on a shelf, it's quite a display just by seeing the spines. And it's so funny because I saw that just days before he passed. And uh, you know, I was taken by it. He dominated the Florida section. Yeah. Carl Hyacon step aside. Tim Dorsey is front and center in this bookstore. And then it also makes me think about places where if you want to go and collect. Tim Dorsey books that are good to go this Christmas season because, you know, I, I'm sure you'll agree with me, you know, if you can avoid ordering, ordering books on Amazon, go to a local bookseller and you have some great ones by you.
1: I so, do. I do. Um, when Um And honestly, I'm looking on Amazon now because not everybody has access to my great bookstores like Tombolo. Tombolo is awesome. Yeah. But you know what? I'm only seeing audiobooks for some of these books. Oh. So this, this will happen, right? Like somebody, somebody will die and people snatch up the books.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. I don't see any Tim Dorsey.
0: Well, non- I guarantee you in some of those bookstores, they're going to have them. So, so we also went to Sanford and Sanford has one of my favorite bookstores, Maya books. And that was, that was the late uh, writer, Bill Belville's favorite bookstore. And he, Wrote about it often, posted about it on social media, and it's one of those ones that has used books. I love used books, and I like bookstores that have used and new books, so you can kind of have the best of both worlds. And so you can pick up a book you know, that's out of print for a few bucks, and then you, if you want to get the newest and greatest, um, they have those too. And so Muse is one of those. And there's another one in um the land too that I love that's called um, – no, wait a minute. Maya is the one. Maya Books is the one in Sanford and Muse is the one in DeLand. And de- they have this great Florida section. Any bookstore that has a Florida section that has new and used material, it's kind of like heaven for me.
1: So we have one. We have Wilson's. Is... Oh,
0: I don't know yeah, that been... one.
1: Well, um, hello. Did, guess what we're doing when y'all come over?
0: <laughs> well, Haslam's not around anymore. No, I used to go to Haslam's.
1: Any... Yeah. Um, So Wilson's is, you know, mom and pop place and uh, yeah, some great bookstores. I mean, but these are, I don't know. I mean, what would be on your, your Florida Christmas list for books? (laughs) If you were going to buy books for your friends uh, to teach them how great Florida was, what would be on your Florida book list?
0: Well, there's this book I know that kind of recreates the WPA guidebooks and Drives all those roads that talk about and goes through all those small towns. That one would be good. Um, Wait a minute. I think that's Marjorie Cathy Celestri wrote that one.
1: Wow. I did not <laughs> see that coming. I was not looking for that. Um I agree. They make great gifts, but <laughs> that's, I promoted your book yesterday.
0: Oh, thanks. thanks. Yeah, I
1: was, um I have a, I was in Ocala. I was at Master the Possibilities. And I had given a talk there, Florida, then, and now, but I only had an hour and it was all pictures. So it's. Uh, was supposed to be one place in every county then and now
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I uh, couldn't I could I, they couldn't get through even half of them in an hour and so I came back to give a second part and I was uh, talked about uh, white Spring. I talked about the Stephen Foster Folk Culture Center oh cool and I talked about Ponce de Leon Spring and Springs and I said you know if you really are into how We used to look at our springs. You've got to get healing waters. And that is actually a beautiful book for Christmas for people. My book is not pretty, it's just interesting. Your book is interesting and pretty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of good ones, though. And in addition, I'm well. I'm looking forward to your new book, but another Springs book that I like is Doug Stamm. And he did the, you know, kind of the quintessential Springs guidebook that has, you know, the ecology and hydrology and, you know, the ichthyology and all the stuff, you know, you know in between. And it has, it's kind of a guidebook element, but has more basic history. And he just did a new edition and it's Doug Stamm, S-T-A-M-M. The, I think it's called The Springs of Florida. And I bought that book for my mom as a present years like decades ago at De Leon springs and i gave, i stole it from her <laughs> it's stole like,
1: from your mother
0: she has you know they you know how people sometimes they just put books on the bookshelf and they're you know they're they're getting dusty there and it's like i can use this book so i it came home with me one time i
1: could use this book i need this book more than my mother does screw her that's charming rick really
0: oh <laughs> I gotta give a shout out to another book, the the new one from the Florida Humanities. That's a spectacular book.
1: Yes. Um I think we were gonna have them on the podcast, weren't we?
0: Yeah, next month.
1: Yeah. So that'll be that'll be exciting. Um and that one is called for our listeners who are
0: Once Upon a Time in Florida, stories of life in the land of promises
1: yes well i think that i think i know somebody who has a piece in that
0: i do i do and last night i was talking to somebody from the florida historical society and he was saying that gary mormino's new book is worth having i have his his first one it's all dog-eared and highlighted and it oh what is it called uh, land, of, sunshine, land of state, state,
1: state, state of, of dreams.
0: dreams
1: and sunshine in a new century i think is the dreams of a new Century. Gary's going to kill me. I don't think he listens to the podcast.
0: (laughs) Do you have it? Do you have the new one?
1: I'm pretty sure I do. UPF sends me almost everything for the paper to review, Uh which is really nice. Yeah. I've got quite a collection. I'm not the book reviewer, though, so I don't always get them back. Oh. Uh, (laughs) I try and steal them back from, you know, we pay these people nothing. Um, So I feel kind of bad, but, you know, I got to have my Florida collection.
0: Yeah. I Yeah. Honestly, it's one of the... You know, when I'm writing, it, you know, you search the internet, but the books are where the real stuff is. And I, I like to have them at my fingertips, know where they are, and, you know, underline them. Like I, I just recently bought a first edition um, Palmetto Leaves by Harriet Beecher Stowe. But I also want a cheapy paperback version so I can underline it and dog ear it and you know put bookmarks in it and stuff like that. I don't want to mess up the first edition one. I got a cheapy one because with a with a re, not the original cover, which is this beautiful gold emboss thing. And it's so funny because reading 19th century stuff, it, it's it's a little cringy, you know, with the way they talk about things. It makes me cringe a little bit in the 21st century.
1: Well, um, that's you know we, we are not fantastic at, at being decent people. So our things evolve, right?
0: Yeah. Would you ever think that a hundred years from now, if somebody stumbles across your book, there'll be things that they come across that make them cringe in your book?
1: Yes. I, I have one glaring error in my book and it's embarrassing to me. Um, I wrote about the Seminole tribe of Florida out of my ass. I mean, oh. well, I didn't write them. That's a that's maybe too harsh. I wrote what I had been taught in colonized history classes. And I wrote that the Seminole were basically a mix of runaway slaves and escaped slaves from other tribes. And I know better now. And it, it is mortifying to me that that is there. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure they're going to look, I hope. Let me put it this way. I hope that in a 100 years, if my book is still around, that people will read that and recognize that I was an idiot.
0: Well, you know, like Palmetto leaves, I don't think Harriet Beecher Stowe is an idiot. I think she reflected the way people thought in that era. And, you know, in some ways, she was more enlightened. In other ways, she was just typical because if you look at other 19th century accounts, you know, it's like whenever they talk about African-Americans and they use their dialect – it's, it's hard to read, but you know, so did Zora. Zora used that, that difficult dialect too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to impose our values on books from the past. Uh, but I know, I know I have errors in mind and I, I wish I could go back and rework a couple things in my first book too, you know, especially with the Native American stuff. And it's just, that part is really hard because I think in a lot of ways it's a moving target that, you know, we are, especially the Paleo Indians, you know, that there's so much archaeology going on that's kind of redefining the way we look at those things. And I also think it's a lot of you know, it's controversial, you know. Um, I know people have strong opinions about repatriating remains that are, you know, tens of thousands of years old. Um by modern tribes. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a complicated history. I, I think, I, I think that's an easy way to look at it is all that kind of stuff is complicated. When you write, you have to kind of put pen on paper and kind of say stuff or it, you're not going to have anything at all. Um, but it's complicated. And as soon as you write it down, it seems like maybe it's, it's already dated, you know?
1: It's, uh I think it's complicated. That would be our Facebook status.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is.
1: Um, I'm listening to not a Florida book, decidedly not a Florida book. One of my very favorite writers, Bill Bryson, I am listening to Made in America now, and it's basically a history of the United States, apparently except for Florida, as told through language and the words we used. Um, And it's, 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 I wince because it's an audio book. So some of these words that we do not use anymore are being spoken.
0: It's like,
1: oh, Um, the only failing with the book uh, is that they have mentioned the Seminole tribe of Florida once. And they kind of imply Bryson kind of implies that they were all relocated to Oklahoma. But there are no more Indians in Florida. And then when he describes all the tribes in North America, he leaves out all the Southeast, like doesn't mention Southeastern Indians at all. Wow. So I'm I i I'm finishing it because it's Bill Bryson, but he is going to get a strongly worded review. <laughs> <in Good Boots. laughs>
0: it's so interesting, you know, because growing up, we played Cowboys and Indians all the time. And, you know. it Right. We we always envisioned ourselves as like Plains Indians with the big headdress, and, you know, and the bow and arrows and spears and tomahawks and all that kind of stuff. You, you know, that's what you did when I was growing up. I, you know, the, I think it's inappropriate now, but never did we envision ourselves as Seminole or Creek or Cherokee. We were always, you know, the stuff you see in Westerns. And I think that kind of biased the way we see Native Americans.
1: Well, it's. Um, we evolve. We learn. Yes, it's you know, it's hard. Florida has such a complicated history because up until basically World War One or the Spanish American War, we were on the wrong, we were on the losing side of every war ever, and you know we don't talk about that a lot, and it's hard to talk about without people realizing. Oh, there's all this history I don't know about and it's bad. And does that make us a bad person? And it's 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 a hard, hard talk to have. You know.
0: So if you were to recommend a book that kind of um did a good job of talking about some of the complicated history of Florida, what what would you recommend?
1: So I wish I could tell you. <laughs>
0: because well, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I see T. D. Almonds finding Florida, which was very controversial when it came out.
1: Well, he admitted he didn't actually do research for it. No, I think it's, that was part of the controversy.
0: Yes. And and I know uh Mormino came out against it, and I think Klinkenberg was not happy with it. And a lot of people
1: No, he's never happy with
0: anything. But he sold a ton of books. Boy did he sell a ton of books.
1: It was the same book over and over.
0: Yeah, he did an author's talk. I went and saw him speak, and it was the shortest author's talk I ever saw. It's like twenty yeah, some minutes.
1: It's it's um, it's regrettable. Let's see.
0: <laughs> All right. So what another one? I. How about the so, the new history of Florida? What do you think about that one?
1: The new history of Florida. That's
0: well, the Michael Gannon one.
1: So. I know this is gonna. Um, it's gonna sound weird. So first of all, I've not read it, so I do not know, but I can guarantee you, it is not an actual, as it says, comprehensive history of the Florida, because the problem with so much of our Florida narratives about history is they leave out a lot of other. Yes, and it, the other in Florida is such a big part of the story. Um, I went through an entire lovely graduate program in Florida studies. And the only time we even touched on the Seminole tribe or the Miccosukee or any Indians in Florida in a graduate level program was we read one very thin book called Enduring Seminoles that maybe isn't really the best book about the Seminoles. So, I mean, who,
0: who wrote that one?
1: Patsy West.
0: Yeah, I have a Patsy West book. I, I mean, it was a very Seminole.
1: charming book, but it was it was basically it framed the whole of the Seminole tribe through the lens of gator wrestling. I mean, it was like there's a lot more there. Yeah, um, I will tell you the best it's not the best history of Florida, but the best way to think about the best book for thinking about. How we think about history in Florida, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. is, is one I did read in grad school. And it's called The Burden of Southern History by C. Van Woodward. And um it talks about how very complicated it is to have a Southern history in the United States. Um it was very easy for us to say, oh well, anybody who supported the Confederacy, they were horrible people. Um, and it's not that easy, and it's not that simple, and it's not you know and, and so the book talks about woodward Woodward writes about how we don't like to talk about Southern history and why because what it says about America. So it's an interesting way of thinking about history, but it doesn't actually it's not a history book per se. Uh, it does give historical incidences. I am forever looking for a decolonized book about Florida history. and um you know, you just you aren't seeing it.
0: Well, so I have one that's kind of self-published. It's a People's History of Florida. I I don't know that I'm familiar enough to recommend it. Um, I you know I I generally buy a lot of these things and keep them as resources. And when I'm researching a particular subject, that's where I go. Um, it's self-published, so why well, or I don't know. It's not a major publisher. It's um, not beautiful to look at, but Is it's this kind the one of the, with
1: the Indian on the cover with yes no
0: others? yes. Um, there's a guy named Marvin Dunn who has, um, a black history one that I, it's on my Amazon list. Um, and then I had this book that I just pulled off my bookshelf yesterday because I wanted to go back and look at it called Souvenirs of the Old South. It sounds like what you're talking about, the burden of Southern history, Northern tourism and Southern mythology. That's a UPF book it that is. I, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a good one.
1: UPF it's, is really, um, interested. In getting some history of other they're they're yes you know they're very dedicated to that you know it's it's hard because you have and I'm sorry, Rick and I'm sorry every white guy who's listening you have what I called o w d history old white dude history true and it dies hard it dies hard um because you're it's almost like you're I mean, I think sometimes when I say things, I can see it on the faces. It would be easier if I just tortured a baby in some of these talks uh, because you're – it's almost like you're unpatriotic if you suggest any historical narrative that conflicts with this by God America thing. And there's a lot in Florida that goes against our national narrative if you look at our history. But I don't – I mean, I find it fascinating and I think it's real. Yeah, I'm sure Iowa has the same sort of thing happening, but I am not uh, on a podcast called the Iowa Spectacular.
0: (laughs) Well, one of the things where I was reluctant to get Marmino's new book is because it's it's 2000 on right. It's kind of, and you know, it's so recent, and some of the stuff that has happened here in you know the last 20 years. I just am not ready to look at it critically uh, because it just like the the wound is still not healed. And some of the things, you know, I think it talks about the 2000 election, and I'm sure it talks about some of my least favorite governors and some of the things that have happened in the state environmentally. You know, the thing about looking back at our history is you're far enough removed so that you know you don't have an emotional connection to it. Whereas that more contemporary stuff, I still feel emotionally connected to it, and I'm. Not quite ready to delve into it, but I I know that I need to. Maybe I'll add that to my Christmas list, too. (laughs) Well,
1: you know, if you are looking for kind of a a book about some Florida history that doesn't get discussed a lot in those OWD narratives, um, there is a book with UPF called We Come for Good. Um, and it focuses primarily on archaeology and tribal historic preservation within the Seminole Tribe. But what I like about it, unlike so many books about the Seminole Tribe of Florida, is that um, a lot of the contributors are tribal members. And one of the editors, Paul Backhouse, works for the tribe. So, I mean, I think he was at one time the head of TIPO, Tribal Historic Preservation. So you're actually getting. The history and the sense of what the tribe is like from tribal members, instead of having it run through the lens
0: of a white person. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, you know, Paul I might is like white. That. He's
1: British. He's very white. Oh, I've um, seen him
0: speak. I saw him speak yeah. in St. Pete's.
1: But I mean, he's just editing what other people are saying. He's not. He's definitely giving the decolonized perspective because this is the only thing the tribe. This is the closest that anything has come from being published by the tribe about themselves.
0: So is that a trade book or is it academic?
1: It's interviews. It's orals. It's orals. It's oh, all orals. I, I don't find it academic good. at all. I mean, hell, I've had to read some stuff, um, but this was this is a pleasure. Um, it's people talking. It's, it's them being recorded. Um, it, it definitely gives you a better sense of what the actual tribe is like. Than say 50 other books written without their knowledge, which apparently when I was down there talking to them, the archaeologists that I know, uh, I said, you know, sadly about that, I said, well, we'll get we'll see books published about the tribe that no one in the tribe has ever heard of this person, which is the ultimate historic insult, right? I mean, yeah. write about something and
0: not touch it at all. So So, what we've been talking about the hardcore history in terms of Florida books. If we want to go back to Tim Dorsey, uh, one of the books that I have on my list, well, I know because I kind of picked it out and said to my wife, buy this for me for Christmas is Lauren Groff's latest book. She It's not about Florida, but she's a Gainesville author who… This is one of my favorites and I will read just about anything she publishes is there anything that you have on your Christmas list that is by a Florida author or um, you know about Florida that's fiction
1: I don't really give books enough time to be bought for me no. um but I will say there's one that's been on my list for years um Fred the tree down in the Florida Keys wrote a book. It's a child's book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that sounds awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, if I don't own a book written by and about a tree in Florida, am I even a Florida author? Um, I have a question for you. You mentioned my book. Do you actually own a copy of the WPA book?
0: I do. Book? I, I had it right here by my desk and I can't remember where I put it because it's on the bookshelf behind me. Uh, I bought it when you spoke at the History Center and you did that talk on that super rainy day. It's signed by you. Um, I signed it. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I felt bad because you—you know—it had been—it had been like a drought. And the day that we got the deluge that we'd been praying for was the day you were driving over from. I had a car accident. I, I had a car accident. I rear-ended and it, somebody. It affected our our crowd too. I, that's I spoke in Winter Garden last week, and it was the same way. It was like wet and rainy at night, and so you know people if they could, faced with the choice of staying at home and being comfy or going out to hear an author talk they generally choose staying at home and i you know i never take it personally but um i you were a trooper to get here and um do your talk
1: i i loved it i oh, it was great i would do it again in a heartbeat i'll speak anywhere if you're listening and you need
0: somebody to come speak <laughs> but not for free right
1: <laughs> no i can't i can't do it anymore i i wish i could but I just have too many demands on my time. And uh, if I do that for free, something else doesn't get done that pays me,
0: which means some bill doesn't get paid, right? So, And it's a lot of work to do a talk. I, I generally try and find a local connection to wherever I'm speaking and adapt my talk so that I'm not doing the same thing every time. And it, honestly, I get bored doing the same talk every time. So I try and find a local connection, which means researching and finding images and then finding a way to kind of work them into your talk. So I think my next talk is in Vero Beach, so I'm going to talk more about sea seabathing than I normally do. And then after that, it's at the Morse Museum, and I'm going to talk about Winter Park history. So it's a yes, lot of work to do a talk.
1: I will create custom talks. People will say, can you come speak about this? And if I if it interests me, yes, and I think yeah. I can research it. Before we go, I have something even better than reader mail,
0: Rick. Oh, boy, what is that?
1: So yesterday I gave a talk at uh you know cala master the possibilities and afterward a woman in the audience came up to me her name was jane bells um and she said i listened to your podcast and i just listened to the one where you talked i think you and i talked about gamble rogers
0: how cool and
1: she said you talked about being in the audience is like i think a middle schooler yes um you were the only person there who was interested and apparently that wasn't true because she was there she was she was in middle school also and she said as soon as you said i think you mentioned thelma Booth or thelma booth
0: uh cousin thelma
1: yes she perked right up pk young and she said to say camp capital and first lutheran church she was in that whole area she got to interview gamble rogers and um so you went to school with this woman she does not know you uh she doesn't remember you but she says i am sure i was in the audience at the same time he was so
0: oh how fun
1: well gamble rogers is fun i mean yes from the end.
0: <laughs> Awkward we should, well i feel good that we're keeping his memory alive he's a he's a person everybody needs to know about in florida history. i
1: love to tell the story about how courageous he was yeah so sad ending though
0: and they I mean, have a gamble fun. rogers festival in, in saint augustine every year they so. do yeah 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 uh, it's it's every time I like open my Facebook page, there's an ad for it, it seems like. <laughs> I guess we're not
1: doing the same things. It, it I'll, is I'll uh, send you information. April. I just found it April twelfth, yeah. thirteenth, and fourteenth, and I will put this in the show notes. Cool. Um so We've covered a lot of ground. We went from airboats to the late, great Tim Dorsey and everybody's favorite serial killer to a holiday book list of great <laughs> fiction and decolonized history to uh, Gamble Rogers. I mean, what more is there to say, Rick?
0: And there's a great Gamble Rogers book by UPF, too, that you could learn more about him. And it's a good book.
1: Yes. And we will put the title to that in the show notes. I
0: think it's American Troubadour or something it like is. that. Yeah, OK.
1: It is. It's uh Gamble Rogers um a troubadour's life. Okay. He was on the podcast, not Gamble Rogers Bruce Horovitz. He was on the podcast yes. a long time ago. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot. Um we have some exciting new things happening on the podcast in the new year, so check back with us next week where we can tell you all about them. And uh, as always, if you have a comment, a question, something you want to know more about, something you want us to talk about, Kathy, C-A-T-H-Y, at floridaspectacular.com. And with that, go buy some Florida books.
0: Yay! Go to a bookstore, local bookstore. Bye. Bye.